0: Hello, and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church, located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hello, we've been on the journey of discovering God in the middle of some of the most unexpected places in our lives. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 16, it describes the response of a man, Jacob, when God gave him a dream in the middle of a very mundane moment in his life's journey. It tells us that when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Surely God was here the whole time. How often do we experience life this way? Often God seems absent or we assume he is not in certain places and spaces within our lives, especially the painful, messy, or mundane areas. Yet he promises us that he will never leave or forsake us, meaning it's not God that's absent, it's us that overlook his presence because of distorted perceptions. And last week, we focused on God in the middle of an imperfect church. The week before that, we looked at God in the middle of the messy moments of marriage. And today, I want to look at God in the middle of the mundane rhythms of your work life or your workplace. Let's begin by acknowledging that when we become followers of Jesus... We are called according to God's purposes. In Romans 8, verse 28, it tells us that God calls us according to his purposes. And the call seems magical. We will come into church on a Sunday and hear worship and, oh, get goosebumps and hear God's called us to a purpose. And we're kind of saying, God, lead me into that. And then it seems like Monday comes and simply drags us right back into the mundane rhythms of the workplace. We'd remember how we we felt God's presence on Sunday while overlooking it on Monday without the magic. It's back to the grind, to another day of sitting in heavy traffic, getting to work, making a cup of coffee, and then spending the rest of the day behind a computer for many people. For others, it's just going to the same place and the same space with the same people and kind of doing the same thing they do from Monday all the way to Friday, just waiting for the weekend. And in those mundane moments of our work lives, we might find ourselves saying, God, this feels like a waste of time. What is your will for my life? Surely if you've called me to a purpose, then there's more for me. God, lead me into your purpose. I want to live a life that's an adventure, that's exciting, And we feel that way when we sit in the middle of a mundane rhythm of our work life. It's like, God, there is more. God, surely your will for my life is more than this. What is your will for my life, God? What is your purpose? I want to live out your magical purpose rather than just sitting in this mundane space and place doing the same thing day in and day out. And in response to this common experience, I want us to begin by acknowledging that there is both the general will of God, which we all share in, that's kind of the will of God that's clear in his word, do not murder, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. No matter who you are, you are called to live out that general will, we share in that together. But then there's also the particular will of God for our lives, which involves things specific to our personal life. And this is the, the area of God's will or purposes that we often are referring to when we ask God, what is your will for my life, God? God, surely there's more in your purposes for me uh, um, that goes beyond just working in this boring job that I have. You see, we tend to focus on our desire for his specific will for us individually. And often when we're in mundane rhythms of work, we feel like, God, I want to be living out that specific will. But here's the thing. Although God's particular will for you involves what you will do, his general will, which we all share in, is not so much to do something like a job as to be something, a person. You see, God's general will and call to each of us is to be conformed to the likeness of his son, and to be like Jesus is to be the light in the darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Then he calls us to be the light, as he is, saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He emphasizes that we are now the light of the world and we are not to be hidden. But often our light is hidden by our obsession over his will for us in the future while missing our call in the present. God's starting point for what you will do in his particular will is focused on who you are becoming in his general will. You see, who you're becoming while you're waiting is more important than what you're waiting for. The question is whether you have the patience and the faith to keep walking in his general will in order to step into his particular will that you so desire. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15, we see this kingdom principle when it says, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Abraham received all that he was waiting for because he waited patiently in his presence. The Passion Translation says it this way, So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. The particular purpose for your life that you so desire will come to fruition when you become patient in the present place you've been positioned and by faith trust that God will fulfill all the promises he's given to you. God is in the middle of your mundane workplace calling you to be the light in the darkness with faith that he will lead you to the fulfillment of your particular purpose. So, ask yourself, what would change in my work experience if I approached it as an opportunity to be the light instead of an obstacle to my life's purpose? In the book of Genesis, we read of a man called Joseph. Joseph had been given a dream in which he saw his particular purpose in life. As a great leader that would lead many, including his own brothers. But in the period of becoming who he needed to be in order to live out his particular purpose, he was sold as a slave and later falsely accused of sexual misconduct. And in Genesis chapter 37 verse 20, we read, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So here is Joseph. He's being falsely accused and being put in a prison. He doesn't want to be there. It's not a desirable place. I can't imagine how boring it must have been. But while in prison, Joseph didn't just perceive the obstacle, but saw the opportunity to be light in a dark place. He connected with the king's cupbearer and baker who had been thrown in prison. One day they both had dreams that troubled them, and Joseph heard they were concerned. But Joseph was able to interpret their dreams, and all he said materialized over time. Joseph saw the opportunity to be the light in a moment amongst the mundane hours of sitting in that prison cell, and he engaged with the cupbearer and with the baker. The cupbearer was released a while after this encounter and for two years forgot about Joseph but continued serving Pharaoh Until one day, Pharaoh woke up, troubled by a dream he had dreamt. The cupbearer heard uh, Pharaoh's concern and suddenly remembered Joseph. Chapter 41 verse 8 documents the moment. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, "'Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us.' giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he quickly brought him from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. So Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream and how God was revealing a plan to Pharaoh for handling the problem that was coming. And so in verse 37, it continues after Pharaoh heard this, saying, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you so pharaoh said to joseph i hereby put you in charge of the whole land of egypt that was the purpose to which god had called joseph joseph's breakthrough into his particular purpose came when he chose to be the light to others in a prison cell When he chose not to get so obsessed over the fact that, oh God, this isn't the purpose you've called me to, but said, what can I do and how can I live out God's purposes in my present situation? For you and I, we get to do that in our workplace. It is the opportunity to be the light to others. And I wonder how many moments of breakthrough into the life you desire are hinging on your willingness to become the light in your world at present. And as you apply this to your life, I trust that you would see God work in your workplace in ways beyond all you could ask or imagine, that you might echo the words of Jacob that we started with today. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. God is in the middle of the mundane moments of your work life, and he calls you to his general will in which you be the light to others in order that you can have the breakthrough into the particular will he has for your life. Jim Rohn once said, success is not to be pursued. It is to be attracted by the person you become. You are to become the light to those around you in your workplace. Often I've heard people ask me to pray for them to get out of their workplace because the people around them are not Christian." But if we're called to be light in the darkness, then surely that's the very place we should be positioned. Here's the thing. As humans, we tend to put things into mental boxes, and often we separate our weekly work life as secular and church and Christian stuff as sacred, like Sundays, sacred Sundays. But it's not necessarily where you are positioned or what you do that makes something sacred, but why you do it. And your workplace doesn't have to just be a secular experience, but can be a very sacred one too. Jesus, the Son of God, was born into an animal feeding trough to a young virgin and carpenter. Was that moment not sacred? Just because the vehicle through which all of that happened seemed to be in the middle of the mundane rhythms of the normal life of normal people? In his later life, Jesus spent his time with prostitutes and tax collectors and then selected a group of 12 unschooled ordinary men to change the world. He engaged in the middle of the mundane rhythms of normal life, and they were sacred. His final act of love was displayed on the cross of the common criminal, yet, everything about every moment and every encounter was sacred. Every person he engaged with, every miracle he performed, and his death on a common criminal's cross were done for the joy set before him, our salvation. And it was the Pharisees, the religious leaders with their theological degrees, that couldn't make sense of a sovereign God in the middle of such a mundane mess. That's why they rejected him as the Savior. Because their perceptions of what it should have looked like and felt like with the idea of a magical moment in which God came in all his glory and not the mundane manner in which Christ entered human flesh. Let's not fall into the same trap, assuming because our work is mundane and filled with messy people that God's not present. In fact, like Jesus, you and I are called to be in the middle of that because it's one of the places we can be most like Christ amongst the common people. Those that don't have it all together, like the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Remember, you are called to be the light to the world, and light changes the atmosphere. It draws the attention of those who are stumbling in darkness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer described, Jesus himself did not try to convert the two thieves on the cross. He waited until one of them turned to him. Let the way you work cause others to turn to you the same way the thief turned to Jesus. You see, the work of Jesus being God in the flesh, crucified for our sin, was the ultimate act of love. We saw love made visible through the work of Christ in the middle of the mundane world of humans. Therefore, as a follower of Jesus, work is your opportunity for others to see love made visible. I would encourage you with the words of Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 to 24 as we land today. It says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Work at whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, as though you're doing it for God. Walk into your workplace, knowing that you are called to be the light to those around you. Walk into your workplace, not seeing it as an obstacle, but as an opportunity to move toward the particular purposes God has for your life. And may you, as you work, understand that it is your opportunity for others to see love made Visible, I pray that as you embrace this and you see God do a miraculous work in the unexpected places of your mundane work life, that you would declare the words of Jacob, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it.